Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and on today's Friday Birthful Story, I'll be talking with Sarah Pione about her two unmedicated, intense, and wonderful birth center birth stories, along with how much she values having found the right care provider, why even in labor she can't leave the house without makeup, and the newfound appreciation and deep love she now has for her body. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Simply Breastfeeding, a prenatal breastfeeding course to help nursing parents feel confident with their newborns. Learn more at birthful.com slash simplybreastfeeding and use the code birthful for 15% off. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive, pregnant, or new moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you. Thank you so much for all the love you give the show. And if you like what you hear, then do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And to best support this podcast, please support its sponsors, which in today's case are Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. Also, if you truly want to prepare for the first few weeks with your newborn, please go to birthfulcourses.com to sign up for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes. Do it now before baby arrives. You'll thank me later. All right. So today, Sarah Pion is here to share about her two unmedicated, wonderful, and intense birth center births that include one of the longest car rides of her life. Sarah, welcome. So happy to have you here. Hi, I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Very exciting. Um, and I know you'll be sharing two stories, but before you get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Hmm. Well, you know, for now, most more than anything, I am a mom, a mom <laughs> of two, and I stay at home with my girls. I also instruct yoga a couple times a week. Um, I really got into your podcast for a while after having my second daughter, and um, I'm really considering possibly going into the whole doula field someday when my you know kids aren't all at home. Right, right. Yeah, for now, you're taking care of those two little ones. Yep. Yeah, sounds good. So let's rewind to when you were pregnant with your first child. What were your thoughts about birth and what wishes did you have for for the experience? Um, you know, I didn't really have any wishes right off the bat. I knew I wanted to try unmedicated. Um, I really didn't have a current regular OBGYN. At the time, I was going to Planned Parenthood because I loved the nurse practitioner there. So when I got pregnant, I was like, well, I got to find first a doctor I like. So I started seeing one random doctor I found out of the yellow pages, Google. And um, she wasn't very, I talked to her about home birth and she was just like, it's way too risky and I won't condone it. And that was pretty much closed deal. So I stayed with her up until about 20 weeks. And then I kept doing some research and discovered about 10 minutes from where I lived at the time in northern Indiana, there's a birthing center. 
So I looked into that and got a hold of one of the midwives and made an appointment right around 20 weeks. And so I went there and got to talking with them and decided I wanted to go, you know, completely out of the hospital. So kind of just changed my mind and it all just came about from me doing my own research. Mm. And what made you even try to figure, you know, research an alternative care? You already had your OB. um, It's just kind of my personality. (laughs) When I'm into something, I'm really into something. And Mm. I, I like to research everything before I do it. So once I got pregnant, it was all about you know, becoming informed and the more informed I was, the more I realized that I really didn't want to have a baby in a hospital. All right. So then it was 20 weeks. You switched to the birthing center with the midwives. And then how did it go from then? Um, It was great. I instantly fell in love with my midwife. There were three of them at the practice. And her and I, you know, you got to meet all three and pick kind of who you wanted and our personalities meshed like that. And she's, she's great. Very takes the time, every appointment to sit and talk with you and make sure all of your questions are answered. And I just, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> so from we kind of planned, you know, how I wanted everything. The birthing center has three rooms. You can pick which room you like. And it's basically, I don't know. That was basically it. It seems like so long ago, even though it wasn't that long ago. Right. So how old is your oldest one right now? She's three and a half. Okay. So three and a half. So four years. Um, And (laughs) no, no. So how did labor start? Um, I actually, I was, it was the Friday before she was born. I was 12 days late. And the midwife started talking to me about inducing. I started bawling my eyes out at that appointment because I was scared to death to be induced. I, I knew I would have to go over to the hospital, which the hospital is right next to the birthing center. So not a big deal. My midwife would still be with me, but I was scared to death of being induced. So my mom was in town that Friday. We went to the store. I bought castor oil. It was my very last resort. I did not want to use it. But I bought it, and pretty much during the purchase at the local Kroger, I started having contractions 10 minutes apart. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Maybe I won't have to take the castor oil. Uh-huh. So, I, so I didn't, and they lasted all during the night, 10 minutes apart. But every time I got in the bathtub, they would kind of fizzle out. And my husband was actually a groomsman in a wedding the very next day. Saturday. Mm -hmm. So I went, you know, the stayed up all night with the contractions and they fizzled out by morning. So I told my husband, you know, go ahead and go. They stopped. I actually, that Saturday we were having it, we were trying to sell our house and we had a showing at the house. So I had to pack up everything and leave the house to have the showing. So I went over to my mother-in-law's Tried to take a nap there because I was exhausted from being up all night. And after that, I got back home around 5, I'd say, and the contractions started up again. And this time, they were a lot more intense, probably six minutes apart. 
you know, I told my husband just to stay at the reception, have a good time. I'm probably good to go. And then by the time he got home, I think around 11 p.m., they were still about the same intensity, and he was able to go to sleep for maybe an hour or two. And by 1 a.m., um, they were about four to five minutes apart and lasting a good minute long, so we decided to go to the birthing center. You said that was around what time, 1 a.m.? 4 a.m.? Yep. 1 a.m.? 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yep, so... Now we're about well, about a day into it. But, right, because you, know, you haven't slept at all. Five hours. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> I took like an hour nap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so, hard, so yeah. Yes, and by, so by 1.30 a.m., we drove to the birthing center, and I, I remember myself thinking, if I am not over four centimeters dilated, I'm going to strangle someone. <laughs> And thank God I was five centimeters dilated when we got there. So I really, for Augustus, well, both both the girls' birth, I labored pretty much alone most of the time. I think that's just kind of my personality. I wanted no one to touch me as least much as possible. So I labored alone. Um, they have a birthing tub there. I kind of bounced back and forth between the birthing tub, the shower, the bed. Let's see, what else? So, okay, I started at one thirty, and then I think my water broke naturally around 6 to 8 a.m. And then the midwife accidentally broke the rest of my water around 10 a.m. Okay, so explain that a little bit more for the listeners because we, you know, the the general thought is your water breaks once. What do you mean they broke twice? It it must have just leaked a little. And then when she went to check me again to see how far I was, she accidentally broke the rest of it. She didn't intend to. Mm-hmm. Did you so, notice any difference when when it started leaking on its own, like when it around six? Did was there a difference in intensity, and when the, and was there like a bigger difference in intensity oh, yeah. the second time around? Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. Once she broke it all the way, pretty much right after that was when I was like, "Why didn't I just go to the hospital and have an epidural?" Mm. So it was much more intense right after that second time around. And I was fully dilated two hours later. So, so yeah, cool. so then, and now we're talking, it's about noon? You're fully dilated? Yep. Okay. I was fully dilated at noon, and now we're on Sunday. And I pushed for four hours. It took four hours. The midwife, I later found out, the midwife was really close to just sending me over to the hospital she gave me about 15 more minutes to get that baby out. Four so hours after- is a long time, for sure. Yeah. Everyone was texting because my husband had, you know, text the family right at noon saying, she's fully dilated, we're pushing. And then, you know, everyone's texting two hours later, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why haven't you had a baby yet? Right, right. Then did that pressure, Did were you aware of that? Was that? like in the back of your mind or did he no, was he I, not sharing that with you I, was. I had no idea what time it was and I had no idea anyone was even concerned 
the midwife was very good about keeping that away from me. There was no talk of, if you don't push, we're going to send you over to the hospital. She completely just let me do my thing. Awesome. And I wanted, I really wanted a water birth, but for me, with I had really bad back labor, and it was just easier to be on all fours and push. So for the most part, I stayed on all fours. Um, they tried to use the birthing stool a couple of times, and I think that thing is the devil. It's evil, and I didn't like it. <laughs> Very uncomfortable, but um, eventually, after four hours, at 4.06 p.m., my husband actually caught my baby mm-hmm. and presented her to me. And we were so, so excited to finally have this baby out of me that the midwife's standing there and she's like, are you guys going to check the gender? Oh, because it was like, a surprise. You guys didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we did know. It was like three minutes later after having her that she's like, so are you going to check the gender? We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we looked, and it was a girl. Yeah, and we were excited. And and well, I mean, you needed a moment to just catch your breath after two days of non-sleeping and four hours of pushing. My goodness. And I tell you what, for the next five hours, nope, I was completely energetic on that oxytocin high. You would have never thought I'd been up for two days. <laughs> mm, isn't that funny how it happens that you just. Yeah, time warps, and then you get the second wind. And oh yeah, we were um, we stay at the birthing center afterwards for about. They only keep you for about four to six hours if there's you know no issues. So my husband made me a steak, grilled a steak. We had a steak dinner at the birthing center, and family could come and visit the baby. And then we were back at our house by nine p.m. So that was really nice. 9 p.m. you were home. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a, and a steak dinner. Goodness. I have a question for you, though, because I don't, we don't have a birthing center here near where I am. So that's not an experience I am familiar with. Um, but I am curious. Right? Like, so after the baby is born, do you have any limitations of getting up from the bed? Like, do they want you to wait a certain amount of time? Or once the baby comes, you are free to do whatever you want to and go to the bathroom whenever you want to? And how does that work? Oh, yeah. I mean, I laid there for a while so she could make sure there were no tears, which I didn't have anything bad enough to get stitches. So, um, yeah, I was able to just lay there with her on my chest. We got cleaned up. I was able to get up. I went and took a shower. Got cleaned up myself, took a shower, and probably within an hour or so later, I was dressed and sitting on the couch in their little living room and nursing my baby. Mm. And so, how was... Uh, limitations, really. Yeah. Well, it, it's different. So... I always see like it's such a big contrast to me when I'm at a home birth versus when I'm at a hospital birth that at a home birth, you know, you just do whatever and sure immediately thereafter mom can get up. And especially if if she gave birth in the tub, um, gets out of the tub and walks to the sofa, say, or the bed or like there seems to be this very... In the hospital, it's very much like, okay, I don't want you to get up from the bed unless I am here 
and you know stay there for you know at least an, like it's very very it's not a hard rule but it seems to be that nobody wants the mom to get up from the bed without any help within you know at least an hour or two um oh, okay yeah, yeah and it's just it's different work, so i don't really know what it's like there as well mm-hmm. um it's not it's probably just the same as a home birth. No one really tells you to do anything in case, unless it's an emergency, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to stay in bed. Lovely. And so how is you were, you were, took a shower, got to, you know, the little sofa and you were nursing your baby. How did a uh, breastfeeding initiation go? How did it take long? Did she latch right away? Was there a little bit of hard difficulty? Nope, she latched right away. She was, um, yeah, she latched right away. She when she came out, she pooped on me right away. So, might have been- <laughs> <laughs> unpacked it all. <laughs> yep, right away, and she nursed really well, pretty much the whole time. Fantastic. So that I mean, it was okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want you to tell me, like, looking back on the whole experience, how did that feel um, and how did it change you? We'll be right back. Breastfeeding, it may be natural, but that sure does not mean it's easy. It's a learning process for both you and baby, and like most learning processes, it takes a lot of trial and error. However, this trial and error can sometimes come with a lot of crying, and not necessarily only from your baby. Help lessen the crying and frustration by arming yourself with some solid knowledge. A great way to prepare for this is by taking the Simply Breastfeeding Online class created by breastfeeding experts Cindy and Jana. In their class, you'll learn to recognize what your baby is telling you and how to meet your baby's needs starting in the very first hour after birth. You'll also understand the basics of breastfeeding and be able to return to them if you encounter difficulties, and you'll feel confident knowing the answers to most frequently asked questions. Lessen your anxiety and frustration and relax knowing you've got this. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding to learn more. And as a Birthful listener, you get 15% off if you use the code BIRTHFUL when you register. Go to birthful.com slash simply breastfeeding or click the link on the show notes to get you on your way. And we're back listening to Sarah's birth stories and first birth stories. So it was a total of about two full days and four hours of pushing and good breastfeeding afterwards. Am I painting that picture right? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was everything I wanted it to be, really. Mm. How did you feel with it, with that story, you know, with that experience after it was said and done? I felt amazing. There's nothing more empowering, more beautiful than being able to get through that and look back and say, yes, at some point I really wanted to go to the hospital, but I did it and I could do it again. Easy. It really it made me appreciate more than anything, my body more than I ever have my whole life. Gives you a whole different appreciation for mm. what the woman body can do. Mm, yeah. Did that. So that's a great point of how it changed your. So I know that I, as, as, as woman, like culturally, 
we don't we tend to not love our bodies very much because we're constantly like I'm constantly being told that you're too this, too short, too fat, too small, too know, too big, too lanky, not enough curves, too many curves. Like there's always there's not a just right, or the just right is very unattainable. Um, did you was that something that you had experienced in your life, and did this help change it a little bit? Yes. Yes, but you know, more than anything, I think I always put the pressure on myself to be a little bit thinner, a little, you know, I'm a, I'm a curvier, bigger boned girl. I'm not huge. I'm not small, but I, more than anyone, I think I pick on myself the most. So for, to come out of having a baby, probably the worst, you know, it's kind of a a hard time for when you're used to your body being, I saw my body as more beautiful afterwards. Mm. You know, the squishy belly, I was very lucky and I only got a couple of stretch marks on my hip, but all the other stuff that comes with having a baby, I didn't look at that as, oh, my body's wrecked. I finally saw my body as beautiful because of what it did. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so then you decided to have a second one. <laughs> How far yes. apart are your children? Uh, 21 months. Okay, 21 months. So let's move forward from where we're at to when you're pregnant with your second. What were you thinking at that point in terms of what you wanted for a birth experience? And did you prepare? I didn't ask you for the first one either. What did, like, did you take childbirth education classes? Um any prenatal yoga or what were you, what exercises were you doing? Um, yes, we did do, uh, there's a mandatory like four hour childbirth education thing they do at the birthing center. So we did take that. Um, I did listen to hypno babies a lot, um, or hypno birthing. I don't, I know there's like a difference. Anyways, I bought all the CDs and I listened to the CDs. I did a lot of that. And I was still working part-time to full-time up until um, she was born. So other than that, I would walk. That's about the most exercise I did with Augusta is walking. I love that name. <laughs> Thank you. I love it too. Yeah. Um, so then this time around for second pregnancy, did you have to take the class again? Or like, where were you giving birth? Did anything change? Um, I, we actually, we ended up selling our house. I think it might've been the showing that we had while I was, no, might've, yeah, might've been the showing that we had while I was in labor. We ended up selling our house three months later and we moved two and a half hours away. So now I'm, you know, mid Indiana and they just now recently opened up a birthing center in Indy. But when I got pregnant with my second, there wasn't a birthing center around and I was still kind of, I don't know how I felt about home birth at the time. And I loved my midwife so much at the birthing center. I'm like, you know what? Let's just travel. We have all this family up here. I'll travel for the appointments. We'll try to make sure we're close by when it comes to time or what we'll plenty of time to get there. So I ended up going to the same place, but now I live two and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. 
Well, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say. So, okay, you're two and a half hours away, and you still are going for the birth center because you have a beautiful experience there with the midwife you love. Um, how did you know that birth was starting this time around? This time around, I was. Let's see. I will like to say that this time around, I did start probably around 15 to 20 weeks. I started exercising a lot more and I started doing a lot more yoga. It's kind of when I fell in love with yoga. So just wanted to say that because I feel like in the end, it really helped with how this birth story ends. Okay. Um, I think I was, she was due March 25th. And it was a couple of days later because it was Easter Sunday. I think I started having, you know, mild contractions, nothing big. And it was the day after Monday evening. I started having contractions again. I lost my mucus plug that morning. So, you know, you never know what that means. But I was having, you know, contractions every 10 minutes. And it was about to the point where I was like, I should probably wake my husband up and see if we should just drive up to Fort Wayne because, you know, it's a two and a half hour drive and we should probably be there. Even if it's going to be a whole nother day or two, better safe than sorry. But for the time being, it was about midnight, Monday night. Well, technically Tuesday morning. And I just wanted to go to sleep. I wanted to go to sleep so bad. I was so tired. So I'm like, I'm going to get in the tub because I remember last time, this is what tells me, you know, if I'm in true labor or not. If the contractions fizzle out, then I'm okay, and hopefully that'll allow me to go to bed. So I get in the tub, and the contractions aren't really dying out, but they're not really that intense either. So I finally give up on trying to fall asleep and thought, you know, I'll just wake my husband up, and we'll just start packing, and maybe we'll go tonight or early in the morning. And I get out of the tub, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere... The contraction is very intense, and within the next five minutes, I realize they're only four minutes apart. Mm-hmm. So I'm naturally like super excited, but kind of freaking out because we went from ten minutes to four minutes, and you're two and a half hours away. Yes, right. So you know, I start I start packing up stuff, and I'm like walking through the house doing squats. I wake, I wake my husband up and he starts packing up Gus and we get her ready and I'm doing my makeup and all this stuff. <laughs> I love my, that you stop like, to do your makeup Oh, <laughs> when you're yeah. like in super active labor. <laughs> my, my family was raised in the South and you just don't leave the house without your face on. So mm-hmm. I blame them for that. <laughs> so yes, I'm calm as can be just getting ready and not freaking out that much, even though I should be. And we get in the car, probably around, we take off around 2.30 in the morning. And I call my mom, and she lives even further away from Fort Wayne. So it's a three-and-a-half-hour drive for her. And, of course, she wants to be there. And I call her, and I'm like, you know, I just don't know if it's the real thing. Because I feel like, you know, this happened to me last time, and it ended up fizzling out. I mean, I should have known better that it was the real thing. I did, like, about a half hour later. 
I called her back and I was like, yes, you need to get in the car. You need to leave. So she gets going and this is the longest drive of my life. The longest car ride ever. Mm. I think ran into like a highway closure. I don't remember because everything is so blurry. I started out in the front seat. We had to stop because I had to go to the bathroom. I remember people just staring at me at the gas station. (laughs) And I get back and I get in the back seat next to my daughter. My poor daughter is kind of crying on and off the whole ride there because she's like, what's wrong with you, mom? What's wrong? You know, I'm trying to be quiet. I'm listening to headphones. But she can sense something's wrong. So it takes, like it says, two and a half hour drive. We get right to the exit before we turn off to go to the birthing center and my water breaks all over the back seat. Mm. All over the floor, all over my comfy pillows I brought just for the occasion. And now they're soaked. So we get to the birthing center at I would say probably about 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. And I am so uncomfortable by now. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I will take, I would rather have the big, long, drawn-out labor again because I just didn't remember the contractions being as intense with Augusta. I felt like they were, you know, I don't know. Just the contractions this time were so intense and so painful. And I felt like, there's nothing I could do to control it. I just kind of let it take over. And, you know, it got me undressed. It got my little birthing skirt on. And I get in the tub. They check me as soon as I get there, of course. And she's like, well, you're a good stretchy six to seven centimeters. So I'm like, good. So I've already done most of the work. I'm feeling good about that. I get in the tub. I'm in there for maybe 15 minutes. And these contractions are just one right on top of the other. I can't, I'm not getting a break at all. And I'm in there for maybe 15 minutes. And I'm, you know, I look at the midwife assistant and I'm like, I know this sounds weird and it probably isn't right, but I feel like I got to push. And they start bringing all the carts in and everything. They're like, oh, if you feel like you got to push, you got to push. And they look down, they're like, yep, time for you to push. And, you know, this time around, it wasn't pushing like it was with Augusta. You know, I had to think about it and really try to push. When this, when I started pushing this time around, it was more my body just forcing. The contractions were so powerful, they were just pushing for me. Mm-hmm. And so I easily delivered the head in the tub. Because, you know, I really wanted that water birth one of these days. Right. So I delivered the head. And for the longest time, they're like, there's the head. There's the head. And I'm still pushing. And there's just the head. And I hear the midwife go, you need to get out of the tub right now. And my heart just sank because I knew. I knew she was stuck. Because there's no way... She would, you know, ask me to get out of the tub when I've already delivered the head for any other reason. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her whole, she's, my midwife, her whole demeanor is very calm and she has such a soothing voice. So when all of a sudden that changes and she's like, get out of the tub on all fours right now, I knew something was wrong. So I get out of the tub and I'm on all fours and um, what happens is 
the umbilical cord was actually wrapped around the shoulder mm. and the shoulder was stuck. So the midwife had to literally go in and reach and grab my baby out. And that was the most painful thing in the world, I can tell you. But it's okay. I survived. It wasn't horrific. I'm not traumatized. I'm not trying to say it like that. But it was rough. Yeah, it just was what it was, right? Yes, it was what it was. And thank God she knew what to do. And they got the baby out. And baby came out very, very limp, very blue, very not responding at all. And so they got, you know, they had the cart right there and they started resuscitating her. Her, because this time I'm the only one that thinks to look at the gender. You know, I turn around, look behind me. I'm like, oh, it's a girl. And my husband's like in tears. And my mother-in-law is just sitting there rubbing my shoulder. And finally I'm like, stop stop. It's okay. I was the calmest person in that room because for some reason I just knew there's just no way anything's going to go wrong. It's okay. And the midwife said it was important for me to stay calm because, you know, I was still connected to her. It was my blood was still flowing to her. The vocal cord still had a beat. You were still providing her oxygen. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so after a couple minutes, I believe it could have been just 30 seconds. Could have been a couple of minutes. I have no idea. It seemed like it lasted forever. They resuscitated her and she was okay. She was okay. Her shoulder was okay. I felt like I got beat up <laughs> in the worst way, but we moved to the bed and, um, you know, they laid her on my chest and they just said, we need you to keep trying to get her to cry. Keep tickling her. Keep, you know, rubbing her feet. Anything, pat her back. You know, rub her shoulders really hard. You know, kind of rub the skin hard and just try to get her to cry and to pink up a bit. So for about the first hour or two, we kind of laid there like that. As the midwife checked me out, we just tried to stay chest to chest and get her to perk up a bit. So it took a bit longer to get her, you know, up and at it. And breastfeeding probably took a little bit longer just because she was so weak. Right. Right after she was, and you wouldn't think it to see her. She wasn't a fat baby. She was 11 pounds. What? 23 inches long. Yes. Wow. Okay. 11 pounds, 23 inches. Uh, yeah, that is, she might not look big, but that is, uh, you know, on the big side. <laughs> how, how big, what was the size of your first child? Augusta was nine pounds, two ounces. And she was about 22 and three quarter inches long. So both were big babies. And we knew this baby was going to be a little bit bigger because mm-hmm. the way I was measuring, but we had no idea, like two pounds bigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and she wasn't, like I said, she wasn't a fat baby. I didn't have gestational diabetes with either of them, but she was stocky. You know, she was, I call her my little beefcake because she's still like that. She's like little, but she's got these broad shoulders and she's really tall. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, even as a newborn, 23 inches is significant. Usually average is around 20, 21, 20 and a half is average. 23 exactly. inches is, is a tall baby. Yeah. 
<laughs> She's yes. proportionate. Yes. Yes. <sighs> so how did you feel after that birth? Um, nothing like the first, unfortunately. You know, the first one, I was awake for two days, and I was high as a kite afterwards. And this one, I could barely keep my eyes open because we drove all the way back to my house that afternoon because I just wanted to be in my own home with my baby. And my mom drove me back. My husband drove separately. And I just passed out instantly. I was exhausted. Completely exhausted. Mm. No, I bet. I mean, so, Sarah, we're going to take a quick break. But I definitely want to, you know, have lots of questions when we come back. We'll be right back. Hey, Mighty Ones. It is not uncommon for stress levels to go up while you're pregnant. You may be worried about the health of your baby, or maybe you're anxious about the birth, or maybe you're wondering how you're going to afford all the extra cost. Or maybe you're just guilt-ridden because you're not eating well and exercising and doing all those little things that everyone is telling you to do for the sake of your little peanut. Fortunately, there is one little simple thing you can do that won't take up more than 10 minutes per day and will improve not only how you feel about all these things I mentioned, but also your birth, the health of your baby, and your own immunity. That little thing is meditation, and yup, it can do all this and even help reduce your pain during labor. Don't know where to start? Easy peasy. Check out Expectful, an evidence-based guide meditation app created specifically for new, soon-to-be, or expectant moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. And we're back talking to Sarah about her second birth experience. Now, you said this one was very different from the first one. You were exhausted, kind of tapped out from it. Why do you think that was? Because in terms of length, this one ended up being a, much shorter. How long do you, how long was? I can't remember when you started. About five hours. She was born at five fifty four a.m. So she was born like an hour after we got to the birthing center. So total five hours compared to oh, almost two days the first time around. Yep. Yep. I. I kept trying to think the same thing myself, like, why why am I not getting this great high that I got last time? And it was just, I think, like I said, the contractions were so much more painful. It's like she was in distress and knew she had to come out. My body was just trying to get her out. And I just think maybe the, between the physical and emotional exhaustion of having her, that just really tapped me out and... But, I mean, I didn't recovery-wise. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad at all for me. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do with all the yoga I did while I was pregnant. Did you have a tear this time? Nope. See, I would have imagined you did, <laughs> considering that she, her shoulder was thick and, and her size and people having to like, go in and get her. Um, but you didn't. Which is a testament, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's why I feel like yoga had a lot to do with that. Really helped with the whole birthing process and the fact that I didn't end up injured. I mean, I felt like my rib, my left rib now sticks out a lot further than my right. So I think there's something wrong there that I never got checked out. But Mm. 
other than that, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> other than this crazy rib. <laughs> I can breathe fine, so yeah. we're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? Once she, so, you know, I imagined how stressful it must have been to, to have her not take that initial first breath. And you did say that she was fine though. And breastfeeding took a little longer, but she was fine. And at, considering you guys went home a few hours later, clearly things were fine. Did any of this affect breastfeeding long-term? How did that relationship continue? Nope. She, after that first day, she's a whole different baby. Like I, I believe I sent you one of the pictures right after she was born and you can see that she looks kind of just really limp and jelly like on my chest. And that's just kind of how she was for the first few hours. But you know, after like the nap on the way home on the car ride, I mean, the next day she's woke up a whole new baby. She was, you know, she nursed just fine. And yeah, there was no issues that we could see. She didn't get any kind of breathing or, you know, nothing weird. I think she did kind of, cause we felt like little lumps underneath her armpit before we went to the pediatrician for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I think she did get like a few little, I don't know, pulled muscles or tendons from getting yanked out like that. But other than that, she was fine. Did you do any any body work yourself or body work for her afterwards to, to try to balance that out or just left it as was? Um, as far as like, like cranial sacral or some, I guess cranial sacral more than chiropractic, but either one. No, I didn't. I went back to doing yoga and that's, that's about it. Yep. Which, I mean, yoga is is your is your anchor so i'm sure that was lovely to go back to it yep yep we both came out of it pretty okay um i did talk to my midwife and we discussed you know next baby around that maybe i just eat like i have gestational diabetes even though i never end up testing for it because i'm like i can't i can't do one bigger than 11 pounds there's no way (laughs) No, not, right? Yeah. My husband, my husband's kind of stocky. He's got big, broad shoulders. So that has a lot to do with it. But we're not like super huge people. And we're not tall. He's like 5'9". I'm 5'4". Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where we're getting these ginormous babies from. Yeah. And I am going to link on the show notes to, since you mentioned it, um, to the show that I did on gestational diabetes, just because I think that, so Lily Nichols is the person that I interviewed for that. And she has a very unique perspective of gestational diabetes, being a a, a dietitian, and she used to do policy for gestational diabetes. And she's like, you know what? It's not so much about the test. It's about being able to control your sugar levels. And she has a book on, and, and is... And has two books. So one specifically, it's real food for gestational diabetes. And then the other one is real food per, for pregnancy. Um, and um, and so that might be a good resource for you as well, but for the next one. But it's it's about controlling your sugar levels, not necessarily following the traditional gestational diabetes diet, because that one has you eat lots of carbohydrates, which... Mm, 
maybe more than what you're used to and then not help to control your sugar levels and, and have you going down a path where things might get worse and you have end up having, not you specifically, but people end up having to um, have insulin. So, yeah. And along with all the benefits of eating better, right? Not just for gestational yeah. diabetes and big baby, but of all the great things that it can do to prevent complications um, long term. Yes, I'd love to look into that book. Yeah, I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. Um, and I'll put it on the show notes for sure. So I was going to ask you, are you like anything you would do differently? Um, so anything you would do differently aside from this that we just talked about? eating as if you had gestational diabetes? Yes. Um, I can already tell you I'm doing very good at that this time around. So is that you're pregnant? I'm only about six weeks. What? (laughs) Congratulations. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. You're you're only about the fourth person to know. (laughs) And and by the time this show comes out, everybody will know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So what so what are you doing differently? I'm completely watching my carb intake. Um I'm not cutting it back too much because I now as well as do yoga about four to five times a week. I do weight training. I really my husband and I have both kind of gotten into going to our local gym a lot. So we go to the gym a lot, but we're now really completely cutting out carbs. I only try to keep it to 100, 150 tops a day. And yeah, I just, if I don't keep it in the house, it's easy for me not to eat it. And I must say, I'm going to knock on wood since I'm only six weeks pregnant, but I feel amazing. (laughs) And I know that can all change in a couple of weeks. Right. But, but, no, I mean, I hope you continue to feel amazing. And and I think being so mindful and involved with what's going, what you're doing to and with your body is vital because obviously your body plays such a key role in this whole process. Your body, all your systems have to change. Your organs move places. You Your blood volume goes up 50%. Like there's so much to it that, yeah. I'm sure paying attention to being mindful about your body um, obviously helps. Yep. Yep. We're super excited. And it's funny. He already went out and bought um, some, I don't know what the book is for gestational diabetes, but it doesn't really have a lot of recipes. So I've been looking for another book. So I'm glad you said something and I'll look for that link because he the moment he knew I was pregnant, he started like researching all this stuff on the internet. I'm like, where were you the first two pregnancies? You know, I, this is the third, right? Cause you weren't <laughs> that into the first two. I mean, he was into the whole, you know, birthing process, but not so much the prenatal care. He just always left that all up to me. Yeah. And now it's like all about it. And does that is, are you happier that he's more involved? Yes. Yeah. 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 We're super excited. There's, it's weird. You know, it's going to be our third kid. And I don't know. There's just something really exciting about this one. Well, I mean, sure. I think there's something exciting about any kids. But... Correct. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's exciting. But I think it is because we're so, we're much more knowledgeable. And we know the risks that come with, 
you know, having a large baby or not, you know, being two and a half hours away from your birthing center. So we might do that differently this time around. I was going to, that was going to be my next question. Are you doing, are you traveling two and a half hours or are you doing something different? I, I jump back and forth and I'm like, you know, I'd be completely comfortable with a home birth, but after having my baby get stuck like that and my midwife instantly knowing what to do and saving my baby's life. I'm like, I, I want my, I want my same midwife. Mm. <laughs> you just, you trust someone so much. It's just maybe this time around, right around my due date, maybe even a week before I need to just pack up all my stuff and go stay up North just in case. You have to come back and tell us how it goes. Like um, the whole time I'm going to go, what happened with Sarah? Did she travel? Did she not travel? How is she doing? (laughs) You have a 13 pound baby this time? (laughs) No, no. And I think, you know, there's a testament to the fact that yes, birth is risky and there's risks with everything we do. The thing is the stakes are so high. Um, And you guys had a very scary situation. At the same time, you had a very capable person with you who knew when to call it and what to do. And fortunately, it was more of a scare than anything else. Yeah, I I don't think I think I was the only person in that room that was probably never, never really afraid anything bad was going to happen. You knew she just needed a little bit more time? My mom didn't make it in time because she was three and a half hours away and I left before she did. And she didn't, she ended up missing the birth. And um, another reason why they might have let me go home a bit earlier is because my mom's an RN and she's been, you know, a, a NICU, PICU RN for on and off in her life. So. She knows what's going on, and I think the midwife felt comfortable with me going home with the baby because she knew my mom was going home with us, too. But she ended up missing it, and the midwife pulled her aside the moment she got there. was like, I want you to come look at the baby. And my mom's like, thank God I wasn't there. I don't think I could have handled that. Mm. (laughs) Or seeing me in that much pain is what she says. Right. It's hard to see your baby in pain. You're her baby. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, yeah, I can see that. I mean, isn't it true that circumstances are is what what shapes stuff? And it's not like it was a bad birth, but it just had like that scary moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep, I don't think I really have. I've gained no fear from it whatsoever, but about the only thing. I think I took from it is that I do want my midwife to be my midwife next time around because I fully trust her and she's completely capable of taking care of me and baby. Hmm. I'm also going to add to the show notes a link to an episode that I did with Karen Strange on the baby's birth experience. And Karen Strange has a very unique point of view because she is she goes around the country and actually the world teaching about resuscitation practices during during birth. Um, And so she she teaches nurses all around practices, but she has a very unique point of view of considering the baby and what's the baby's birth experience 
in this whole process so that you can understand, you know, understand that experience a a little bit more when you approach resuscitation or when you're approaching. So one of the things that I like that when you said that she was still attached, when the resuscitation was happening, I I flash back to Karen's episode because that's one of the things that, you know, is, is great to keep baby attached. Um, while doing resuscitation and in hospitals that's not usually what they do because the resuscitation machines tend to be far from the bed so they clamp and cut and take the baby to resuscitate um which if you think about it doesn't quite make sense because you're you had oxygen flowing to baby and now you cut it so that you could give oxygen to baby um and I know at that point, I spoke to her quite a while ago, but at that point in California, they were developing some new systems where the the resuscitation, like a new attachment to the bed. So the resuscitation, when needed, could happen with the baby still attached and the baby like right next to mom um, and still, instead of being taken away. So yeah, the fact that your baby was still attached was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that just seems kind of common sense to me, but I suppose. Well, we could be here for many, many hours talking about the things that happen routinely during birth that don't quite make so much sense. Yeah. 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 I have to mention, it's kind of funny. um, When I had my first baby girl, Augusta, I asked my midwife, I'm like, you know, what if my husband's not in town? Because he works out of town a lot. And she's like, you'll be surprised that babies, babies will wait. And it's so funny she kept telling me that because in the end, the baby kind of waited for him to be in a wedding, to be born. Because he was gone all day at another wedding, being a groomsman, before the contractions started back up again. Right. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I've seen... Moms of who have several children and contractions, you know, happen during the night. And when it gets to morning, contractions go away and they get up and, you know, get breakfast and get their other kids off to school. And once the kids go out of school, go into school, then contractions start up again. And then around, you know, before kids get back from school at three, contractions stop. <laughs> and then they have, you know, dinner and do their thing and, and go to bed. And then middle of the night, like contractions, labor happens with a bang. Um, it's not linear. Your body's not going to, you know, somebody told me recently, your body's not, your birth is not a bully. It's not going to necessarily, it's going to give you a break if you need it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I totally get it that that baby waited that your husband was did his thing and came back and then you had a birth. Yep. It's amazing what the body can do and what the body knows. Yeah. So Sarah, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to like, what do you want to tell the listeners? What should people know about birth? Um, I don't know. I think everything I have to say maybe sounds a little cliche and is kind of hard to do, but I think the number one thing to do beyond being informed, always be informed, research, research, you can't do too much research, and to trust your body. Trust your body to know what to do above everything because it'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, any fabulous resources that you think that that really helped you out? 
Um, I would say the hypnobirthing, hypnobabies helps with the first one. Um, I didn't use it the second time around because I did a lot of yoga and I would say yoga is the way to go. Whether you do prenatal or you practice regularly, continue to do so because it helps calm, actually helps calm all the hormones, all the mood swings. It helps with breathing, helps to calm your body and to get into a state of mind where you can focus on what you need to when it comes to labor. Exactly. Because you got to go deep. <laughs> you have to yeah. go deep. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So your own little place. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so, so much for being on the show today, sharing your two stories. And I like tell you, you got to you got to come back and share this third one whenever it happens. I will. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Mighty Ones, check out the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful. So come say hi. And if you're in the last months of pregnancy and feeling unprepared for going home with a new baby, then go register for my Thrive With Your Newborn online postpartum preparation classes at birthfulcourses.com so you can get ready and even enjoy those first few weeks. Do it before baby shows up. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Breastful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Simply Breastfeeding and Expectful. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Breastful Podcast is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Learn more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me Wednesday when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so, so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much Birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.